Hello, I'm David Park, and this is Beyond the Script. This podcast is for decision makers looking to grow their company. Through our conversations with current game changers, we learn their insights, stories, and tactics that we can use to grow today. But it was neat and hearing, you know, cheers from students, and I found a tooth. In this episode, we have Sarah Carter from After School All-Stars, Camden and Philadelphia. Empowering students and supporting working families. Hello, welcome to Beyond the Script. We have Sarah Carter from After School All-Stars, Philadelphia and Camden. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. So Sarah, tell us a little bit about your company and your role. Yes. Uh, So I work with After School All-Stars, Philadelphia and Camden. We're actually a national nonprofit that provides holistic after-school education to students who are at the poverty line or below. Our chapter creates programming for students in Philadelphia and Camden. We have five locations, three in Philly, two in Camden, and all of our students receive STEM programming, career education, academic readiness programs, arts and cultural programs, as well as health and fitness, because our main goal is to make sure students have an equitable opportunity for success not only now in their academic and middle school world, but also setting them up for success for when they go to college, high school, and their future lives. So my role within the organization is I work with our marketing and development. So I do all of our branding, our marketing efforts, public relations, as well as all of our fundraising and grant writing. Oh, I see. Are you guys expanding into Philadelphia? Yeah. We have three schools in Philadelphia one in Brewerytown, one in Kensington, and one in South Philadelphia. We're looking to expand into different areas of Philadelphia, uh, specifically Point Breeze and West Philadelphia. We also have two schools in Camden, and we're expanding to a third school in Camden this fall. And uh, how are these kids getting involved with the program? So we have uh, site coordinators who work part-time within the schools. They have their offices inside the school, which is really neat because they can build relationships with teachers, parents, and caregivers, with principals, and really using those relationships to be a frequent face for students. Because we don't actually work for the school, we Mm -hmm. come and provide the after-school programming. So this is a really great way by having our site coordinators inside, we can work within the community for the community and not necessarily what we want to give them, but it's what the community rather needs. We work with students and get them involved. We have you know, engagement activities in the beginning of the year where they can try a number of different classes. Uh, site coordinators, they, they'll go to meetings with teachers and principals to talk about the organization and the after-school program. And then students can sign up to be a part of it. And then they get 36 weeks of programming through the school year. And they can also apply and sign up for a summer programming. This was the first year we had multiple sites. We have uh, four sites for all the schools for six weeks of summer camp, where from 8.30 to 3.30, they got a lot of the same services, but it was a lot more experiential learning and project-based activities that kept kids' minds fresh. So when they go back to school in a few weeks, you know, they're they're raring to go. (laughs) What kind of uh, activities do they usually do? Over the summer, we actually launched our watershed education program in our Camden schools. So students got to do experiential activities like water Olympics, what is a microvertebrae, so they got to look at bugs. They built their own watershed. They did their own city planning. So they actually created city landscapes. Like Sims? Well, they actually created, they used like cereal box. They actually planned out their own city and looked at how like water impacted 
based on like the architecture of the city. So it was really neat because they actually get to look and see how things in their everyday life impacts the environment, which made them start to ask questions. So one of the things that was like the most exciting about the program this summer or that stood out to our staff is we were in a staff meeting a few weeks ago and one of our staff members described a kid who yelled at his parent because they threw a McDonald's bag out the window while they were driving. But it was neat because the student obviously was paying attention because they were talking to their parent about how that impacts the environment. So now not only are the the things that and the activities that kids are getting in our program impacting how they're interacting with their world, but now it's impacting their parents because their parents got called out for like a behavior they might not have thought about. So we're slowly starting to change the community by working within the community, which is really, really exciting. Uh, The students also got to go on a lot of field trips, but they went to Edelman Park, which is a like a subsidiary part of Rowan College near what used to be Gloucester County College in South New Jersey is now Rowan College. But it was a park where they, there's fossils in the ground and students got to dig for fossils and actual keep the fossils. fossils. Actual fossils, like teeth, conch shell type mm. things. They cool. actually found fossils. They found fossils and they got to keep them. And then the staff that was there like would talk to them about the process of it being fossilized. You know, some students then, then realized like, oh, I could be an archaeologist, right. uh, which is neat. I had a conversation with a student about that later that day, but it was neat in hearing, you know, cheers from students. And he, I found a tooth. Those are all things like the we're trying to take a very experiential learning approach and helping students get their hands dirty and have trial and error to find what they like and what they don't like, especially in the summertime when and even in the after school hours where you've spent six to eight hours in a classroom already. You don't want to sit and listen to someone lecture, but how can you teach the students new skills while still having fun? That's a huge difference. I learned by doing and mm-hmm. I could completely understand that approach. Yeah, Yeah, especially because we all have different theories of learning. Some people are kinesthetic learners. Some people are visual learners. With experiential projects, you can kind of mix and match to help meet all students' needs. Are they looking for more different projects to get involved with? or? Yes. We have a lot of different projects that we're excited that we piloted this year. We're excited to bring back next year. We have the Show Your Work program, which we started this year with architectural design and construction management. We're looking to do commercial real estate as an option, as well as music engineering. And I wrote a grant earlier this year to do a girls in government program as a part of our career education, especially knowing the population we serve. All of our students are at the poverty line or below. And 50% of our of our population is girls and about 93% of our students are students of color. We want to be able to encourage and empower students' voices so as they're developing their value system and as they're developing their interests and developing their voice, too, because these are all middle school students, Mm. being able to harness that voice and harness the community to make change and encouraging like young girls of color to grow that voice and get involved in local politics, whatever beliefs they might have, but being able to harness that voice for good. We don't have that program yet, but it's something that I'm really interested in writing grants so we can build that. If you get the grants, what will be the timeline for that to roll that out? It would just depend on when the grant is. We would have to develop the curriculum. We have a structure already Mm. written because of our Show Your Work program. So it would just be modifying that, developing partnerships 
um, and developing a final project. Um, so it, it would all just depend on the timeline. And the grant writing process, what's that like? The grant writing is process that fun? is, for me, it's fun because I have my backgrounds in English okay. um, and I'm a good writer and I really like asking big questions. So the grant writing process is pretty, It's for me, it's fun because it's about painting a story in a repetitive way <laughs> because you want to like really hit that hit main points home and make sure you kind of check the box off the, of what the funder is asking for. It is a good way to collaborate with the members of the team because you really want to make something, especially if you're creating a new project. You want to make sure it fits the needs of the mission of the organization. It fits the vision because we know we I don't want to create a program or create a proposal for a program, especially since I'm not the one who's leading it. That's unattainable, that we have no way to measure, but also that does match our vision. That's something that I always try to keep in mind when I'm you know, working with our staff about, you know, what are things that we really need and what are things that we can do to make sure that our proposal is as impactful as possible. And is this the same place that you guys are writing the grants or is it a new place or is there a platform for these grants? Yeah. I'm just curious. They're all different in some way. Sometimes we'll write grants to corporate foundations. Sometimes we'll write grants for the government. Like right now, we receive the 21st Century uh, grant from the state of Pennsylvania, which helps fund two of our schools. So then that style is completely different than what we might write to a corporation. We just received $1,000 to do improv classes for the middle school students. And that was a completely different style when we wrote it to a place called the Awesome Foundation. We write that it was different than what we would write to you know, the state of Pennsylvania or to the Beneficial Foundation. I dedicate a couple hours each week just to researching new grant opportunities. And sometimes we get connected with people at uh, networking events for companies that have foundations that align with our mission, or there might be something. We recently connected with somebody at a conference who suggested that we apply to one of their grants for our watershed education program. So a lot of times it's through research, just connecting with people. We also connect with our board about if they know um, people at different foundations, um, just to kind of help spread the word about the organization. Okay. Uh, So there's no platform that you could go to? You can go to, there's certain websites. The Foundation Center has a number of different search engines for different demographics about, well, how much money are you looking for? Is it, do you want a federal grant? Do you want for children? Do you want for education? Do you want for science? Because technically, like, we could do any of those three. Mm. It helps align, focus your search. There's other other places that you can find, you can find grant opportunities. Our government's grant person, Diane Lee, she's phenomenal. She looks on LinkedIn for grant opportunities. So there's different ways, different places people post them to, to share the message about it. Oh, LinkedIn. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, LinkedIn is great. Okay. Okay. I didn't know you could uh, research grants through LinkedIn. I think it, it's a search because I started to look too. Like, okay. and I found some through searching content oh. and searching posts and searching like hashtags. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Like, I, I had no idea. Okay, yeah. cool. It's great because, and their groups are great too. Like, I'll post things. They have networking groups and LinkedIn. Yeah. So I've used, I use it a lot. I see. Okay. Tell us about your journey to this point. Well, since I was a kid, I, I never really knew what I wanted to be when I grew mm-hmm. up. I knew it always had to do something with education. Except for in eighth grade when I thought I wanted to be an FBI agent because I really liked the (laughs) X-Files. I always wanted to do something with education in some way, shape, or form. 
I mean, I got really invested in social justice, and I always have been since I was a kid because my aunt had Down syndrome, and I was really close with her. And my grandma, she started a Girl Scout troop for girls with special needs. And so I always knew not only did I want to do something with education, but I wanted to do something that left the world a bit better. And again, like what the world needs and not necessarily what I want to give it. So I really honed a lot of those listening skills and listening for trends, but also cultural competency skills. Especially when I was in college, I was really exposed to a lot of great ideas and great conversations that listen to all sides of an argument. So I could really listen for the points that were and trends that were being set. So then I, I started working with nonprofit organizations. I worked for the National Organization for Women. I worked for a presidential campaign. I went to grad school for literary and cultural studies. And then I started working with Just for Success Worldwide. It's an international nonprofit to provide business clothes and career retention skills for women. So then after being there for a few years, I, I felt drawn back to education. I started, I was essentially the director of a women's center under an intercultural affairs office at a school in Western North Carolina and uh, really got to hone in on on serving the community through programs, especially working with sexual violence, working with underrepresented populations and intersections of identities, as well as teaching. I miss my family, so I moved back up here, but kept working in education at a local university right outside of Philadelphia. But the community and my work with working one-on-one -on -one with students, um, though at a college age, the community kept calling me back. And so I started looking for opportunities to connect back into the community. My eventual goal is to be the executive director. So I really wanted some skills in, in, in development since I had 12 years worth of programming experience. So, um, you know, I found After School All-Stars and the, the mission really resonated with me because it doesn't matter what field you're in. It doesn't matter, you know, what your background is uh, professionally. You know, we all have some, some connection back to middle school. We were all middle schoolers at one time. We all face that uncertainty of what the 11 to 14 years of age felt like. And thinking about a lot of the students that we serve, you know, they come from a, a, a very different background and different experience. And what what do they need for them to be successful? And so it's really easy to get involved with After School All-Stars because, you know, in thinking about our futures, who was that person for you who got you involved? It might not have been a teacher. It might have been a volunteer. It might have been a guest speaker. It might have been an administrator. And then we all bring something really special to the students. You know, you could be in, you could be an electrical engineer, and never thought like, oh yeah, well I could I could give back. I could do something with middle school students. You know, there, there are students who might want to go into electrical engineering or might want to learn what it's like to be an, an electrician and thinking about their futures. So there's a really a lot of cool opportunities to get involved. And so I think after school all stars is a really great embodiment of what it means to build a community because we're also building for students the chance to ask themselves what they want and what they need to be successful um, and what they want their futures to look like because a lot of those kids might not have had anybody ask them those questions before right. so our programs really give them that opportunity to explore their futures too.
help them shape their future. Yeah. Do you have any current insights in your industry? Well, what's really neat about the after-school time, especially the types of programs that we're running, students haven't really been exposed to things like watershed education. Mm -hmm. It's one of our brand new programs. You know, our students all live near a park or live near a waterway, especially with like the Schuylkill and the Delaware and the Cooper River. But being able to access that and utilize those greener spaces, and especially in an urban setting, but also like those little things like when we go out to a park or we're going down the street and we see trash, you know, what does that, how does that impact? Because that's going to go down the drains and it's going to go into the, one of the rivers that's very close by. Really being able to impact in really small ways how us as individuals impact our environment, but also from a STEM background and environmental jobs. With our students being, having 93% of our students being students of color, there's not a lot of individuals of color who are in environmental fields. It's a very, for lack of better term, like a very white field. And so with having our watershed education program, it actually really introduces new types of careers and new interests to our students that hopefully, like not only are we bringing students skills to impact their world, but introducing careers and career options to them in this field. So you know, it's kind of like when I mentioned earlier about we're not just changing the behavior of the students, but the behavior of the parents with the McDonald's bag from what's happening right now might change the landscape of what, what that looks like in right. 10 years, Right. which is it's pretty neat. Yeah. All this stuff you see in like in the oceans and it's just, yeah. it's just crazy. The trend is starting to go against that, mm -hmm. the whole plastic movements and everything, but still, we've got so much work to do. Oh, absolutely. And we're trying to in incorporate projects that get students excited about it. So in uh, October is the annual Lights on After School. It's the largest day of uh, spotlighting after school programming and their need for after school programming. And so for our celebration of it, we're actually going to be doing a shoe drive where people can collect shoes and then donate them to us. And then we'll sort them out. And then we'll, we're going to keep some and at the event, paint them and use them as planters for, for like flowers and stuff oh, and use them as like decoration. But like show students, you know, you don't have to go just buy, go buy a plant pot. You can use and create something really beautiful and incorporate it as art, but it's also environmentally friendly. But then taking the other shoes and then helping students sort them and know where they're going because there's um, companies that will take them and then shred up the shoes and use them in playground turf or like major league baseball turf using something like we would just throw away old sneakers. But there's ways that we can recycle, recycle and reuse them. So we're not creating more like duff. We're creating, you know, something a little bit more economically and economically friendly. Nice. Yeah. And that's all kids doing it, which right. is also super cool. And they're learning about this stuff. And they're yeah. just like, oh, I didn't even think about it. Do you have any uh, announcements that you want to make? That That's one. We're having our annual well, lights well, on. When was that? When is that date again? Uh, that's October 24th. Okay. Um, and if your company or you would be interested in donating shoes, you can reach out to me at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H dot Carter, C-A-R-T-E-R at afterschoolallstars.org. Um, we also are going to be having a a Shop for a Cause event at Philadelphia Runner on August 27th. If you come into any Philadelphia Runner location in Philadelphia, they also have one in Maniunk and Glen Mills. Mm. Um, but they'll donate, if you mention After School All-Stars, they'll donate 10% to us, which is really great because it helps us keep our, uh, like our, our funding up um, so we can provide services to students. 
But we're also doing a school supply drive for the month of August and September. So if your company was also interested in donating school supplies, they can do a collection at your office or your organization. But you could also connect with me at the same email and I'm happy to get you set up. But our school year starts on September 16th and our programs open back up for the school year. So that's really exciting. We're looking to serve 510 students next year, which will be an increase of over 100 students from last year. Um, And we'll be hopefully in two new schools this year, one in the fall and one in the spring. So we're really excited about being able to expand our reach and reach more and more Philadelphia and Camden students and help prepare them for success. Wow. That's growing really fast. Mm -hmm. Like, how are you handling that? Um, A lot of fundraising. (laughs) A lot of fundraising. um, But also, like, we have a really good network of folks Mm -hmm. um, in Philadelphia and Camden. So by being in the school system, people are able to refer us to new schools. One of our previous schools, we're in one because one of the, the principal at that school was a former principal at another school. So, you know, she's like, I want to bring all stars. <laughs> and so, that you know, that's great as we're expanding because we have a really good brand in the city. People know our impact um, and want to be a part of that change, which is great. Well, what's the one question that you keep getting asked about after school? One of the questions that we keep getting asked is, how can I help? There's a lot of really cool ways to be involved as a, a part of after school all stars especially if you're at a company. Again, like mentioning, you know, we have a a school supplies drive. Sometimes it's a um, helping us put together kits. We can actually really create customized volunteer opportunities for your school. We can actually create customized volunteer experiences for your company or your organization. So say you want to do something as it relates to health and fitness, you know, we can create an opportunity with our students, you know, the same as, you know, you and I had that conversation, like wanting to be involved in very game-based education, working with our staff to create lessons and curriculum that can be utilized within the classroom. We also have a young professionals board that we're starting where we're looking for individuals under 40 who are willing to help us do outreach to develop volunteer experiences for folks, as well as uh, help develop our name um, out in the community. And so, uh, you know, there's other ways to get involved too um, by helping at our special events, or even being a speaker at, at one of our career cafes for mm-hmm. one of our students. But there's a lot of really neat ways to get involved and get excited because, again, it doesn't really matter what background or field you're in. There's a connection to our students and a connection to students' futures. You know, we'd be happy to discuss and talk about any kind of ways to get people involved in our mission. So for the Young Professional Board, mm-hmm. what would that entail? Our Young Professional Board, they're meeting about an hour and a half every month, and it's actually something that's just started, so we're developing a structure right now. We're looking to have a committee-based structure where they'd be planning social events throughout the year to kind of help spread the the name of After School All-Stars, help do some fundraising. Our founder is actually Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. You know, even an idea was thrown out about having an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie marathon outdoors on one of the big screens, like kindergarten cops and twins, um, and just charging like maybe a small entry fee or just charging for snacks, but really as like a friend raiser as a way to get people excited about our mission and just to connect with folks. Mm -hmm. Another thing that we were talking about having people do is, you know, develop opportunities for like parties in a box 
where it's uh, you know, a couple types of social gathering ideas. Uh, here's some, some information about our organization. You can have a staff member come out and talk about it. And then, you know, it's a, we used to call them wine and cheese and $20 pleases at when I was at Dress for Success. But, you know, have everybody bring, bring a bottle of wine, bring, bring some cheese, bring some $20, and then all that money would go to the organization. But you have a party right there. Um, so we've been talking about uh, developing some opportunities and ideas for people like that, as well as developing more uh, volunteer opportunities. Okay. Do you have any interesting student stories? <laughs> we I, I do. I, I love our students are so... So fantastic. Um, I remember like my first couple months of working in After School All-Stars, we were all still getting acclimated. My coworker and I started on the same day, so we were still kind of getting uh, into the swing of things. And it was the first week of programming. And I ran and them knowing I do improv comedy on the side, mm-hmm. asked me to run some improv activities with the students. So I connected with a group of maybe five or six third, fourth grade boys in, in our Kramer Hill School in Camden. And I ran a game with them called Kitty Cat Career. Basically, you sing a little song and then you have to mime like a profession, but as a cat. And the boys were just loving it. They were so excited. They were laughing. They were cheering each other on and guessing. And it was also a great opportunity to talk to kids about you know, they were kind of stuck on like, oh, I don't know what other jobs because they were only in third grade. I was like, well, think about what you want to be when you grow up and use that as your inspiration. So um, we also got to learn more about each other, about what they wanted to be when they grow up and it helped kind of spark that conversation in their brain. And also getting to see, you know, a group, uh, like a group of boys excited about playing a game about kitty cats <laughs> like it, and careers and being so excited about it. It was really a joy to watch because I felt like there was a momentum that was being built. Some other really neat stories at our Hoopathon event. Yes, I was there. Yes. That was great. Yeah. I, that was great. Like, that was a huge event. You had the cheerleaders on. Well, cheerleaders from uh, which? The Philadelphia Wings. Yes. Their, their dance team came. The dance came. I was like, what? You had a bunch of different companies mm-hmm. and a bunch of educational people. They're mm-hmm. shooting hoops. I thought I was a pretty good shooter, but apparently not that day. Uh, yeah. I saw you. You were pretty great. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. I had the adults that were participating mm-hmm. wearing the same T-shirts, and I placed them on a school mm-hmm. so they could connect with the students. And it was really great watching the adults that were there for Conwell Middle Magnet School were wearing the t- same T-shirts as the kids at Conwell Middle Magnet. And I saw them all clump together and, like, take a big group shot. And, like, that's really what was wonderful about it because we wanted people to really connect and get excited about being there and also a chance to create informal mentoring opportunities and create a connection to those kids. So every time you pull out the Conwell Middle Magnet shirt, you think of that positive experience that you had with a kid. And the same thing for that kid to say, wow, I met somebody really cool who works in commercial real estate. Mm -hmm. Maybe, like... I think I want to do that when I grow up, but being able to kind of not force it down someone's throat, Mm -hmm. but just create an opportunity for connection because that's where the real magic happens. Um, And so I think that's a cool student story. Are you guys doing that every year or when do you do that? We typically will do it in the springtime. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to try something different next year, but one of my main goals in marketing and our development is to make sure there's a lot of student connection opportunities that way we can 
really be storytellers mm-hmm. and let students tell their stories, not just me telling somebody's story because, you know, I want to make sure like that we're true and, and really give the students the power to harness their voice. Do you have a favorite resource that you like to use for reference or learning? Oh, I have many. I like Network for Good. Their mailing list is pretty great, and they have free webinars all the time. I've been using LaSalle's Nonprofit Center. I go and I pay for uh, workshops, like day-long workshops, um, because for me, being new to marketing and development, I want to hone those skills, and I'm always looking for professional development opportunities. So that was a great way to, it's a great way to network, but also, you know, pick up some new ideas to implement into my work. And CauseVox actually has a lot of really good resources, too. What is that? They're actually a, a software system for fundraising, but they have a lot of really good resources, webinars, and white papers mm-hmm. that I utilize that have helped me kind of implement some new new ideas into our fundraising. And Network for Good, what is that about? Um, it's something similar. Okay. Um, it's a fundraising software. They also have a ton of resources for fundraising professionals. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah, it's great. What's your biggest pain point? It's not necessarily a pain point, but sometimes when you don't get a grant or you don't get the opportunity, it can be really frustrating because it's like you worked really hard on it and it's something that the kids would have been able to receive from. But it's something that I always remind myself that it might not have just been a good fit. And something that I always remind myself, like, there's going to be another opportunity and just to work harder because it's for the kids. And so from those things, sometimes I've been able to find other opportunities because I've been like, okay, you know, I'm just going to go on a research rampage because we didn't get this opportunity. And then because of that, I've been able to find things that we have received Mm -hmm. because I went on a research rampage. (laughs) So... You know, blessing in this guys. Yeah, sometimes there's beauty and failure, and not getting a grant obviously is not a failure. But you know, when you get declined from something, you know, it's it's can be frustrating. What's the accept rate on the grants? It all depends on how many people apply, how much money is there in the pot. So it really just depends. Okay, there is not like on average like thirty percent, seventy percent. I don't think so. Okay, what kind of growth are you expecting for your organization? Well, we are looking to grow numbers. We are looking to grow from last year we served 400 students and we anticipate having two additional schools next year. So we're hoping to have another 110 plus students as a part of our programs. We're constantly growing with our staffing. So as we grow in school sites, we maintain a 15 to 1 ratio from students to staff. So we can make sure there's proper supervision. So we'll be like we'll be hiring more program leaders, more site coordinators as we grow the number of sites. We just hired a director of watershed education and a part-time operations person, and we've been writing grants to get additional staffing to support and maintain that growth. For your heroes, my hero is. One is my college professor. She was the chair of the English department um, when I was at Lebanon Valley College, and she really taught me to listen and she taught me to be fearlessly brave. I would go through, be going through like a hard time in college and she would sit and make me tea and just listen to me and say like, okay, well, what are you going to do about it? And then later on, she ended up getting cancer and I think they gave her like six months to live, but she like kicked cancer in the face and she's back and stronger than ever. She 
went and got an MFA down at a school down south, and she rides motorcycles and goes to Italy a couple times a year. And sometimes I'll randomly run into her into Philadelphia, uh, even though she doesn't live here. And but it's I always hear from her or see her when I need to see her or hear from her, and it's kind of crazy, but. She's just definitely made a huge impact in my life and the person I am today. Uh, the same way my grandmom, who I mentioned earlier, she really taught me what it meant to be selfless. My aunt had Down syndrome. And growing up, she gave everything that she could to my aunt, gave her um, in a time where you know, students with disabilities, like my aunt had, weren't able go, to go to school. My grandma, even into my aunt's 40s, had her in math classes. So she could actually, she could do math at a fourth grade level, um, which was almost unheard of for the era my aunt grew up in. She uh, had a job. She, uh, my my grandma made, um, created a, a, a Girl Scout troop for girls with disabilities she, you know, created spaces for my aunt to really have a voice. She wrote a book about my aunt, and even after my aunt's death, has been going. She and my grandfather go and speak to classes about, you know, being a parent with this of a child with disabilities, and continue to advocate and and be a part of programs that my aunt was a part of that helped make like for services for student, for individuals with disabilities. And so that really stuck with me and really helped inform like the career choices that I've had. It was really funny. My grandma when I, when I was younger would always be like, go into marketing, go into marketing, you'll make money. And I'm like, I don't want to go make money. But it's, it's funny that now I'm in a nonprofit helping people and now doing marketing. <laughs> so I was like, I kind of listened. Uh, it just took me a little bit longer to get there, but... <laughs> I love my grandmom. Nice. Um, yeah. Do you have any uh, favorite books? My favorite book is Mona in the Promised Land by Just Jen. A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. Toni Morrison has been on my mind a lot in the past week since she passed last week. Oh. But a former book that I hated was Beloved. And then after reading it like the second or third time a couple years ago, it quickly became one of my favorite books because I like, wisened up. <laughs> is that what Oprah for some yeah, okay. Oprah was in the movie. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, I hated it in college, but I think, you know, as my ears started opening to, like, what was happening in the world, mm. quickly began to, like, really appreciate the the message and themes within the book. Any interesting things that we should know about you? I, I do improv comedy, <laughs> and I last week I started an axe-throwing league. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you have an axe right here. I do. I do. It's in my, <laughs> Legit axe in a bag. It's in my backpack. <laughs> in my backpack but if my someone asked me uh what are you naming your axe and i was like i was like i'm gonna call it they asked me that on the day tony morrison died and so i was like i think i'm gonna name it beloved because like wow oh boy an axe named beloved that sounds like a like a fairy tale that's fun that's fun <laughs> and you were in detroit recently yeah doing this yeah i was uh, doing an improv comedy festival in detroit how, how often do you travel for these things I mean, a couple times a year, I guess. I've been to, with the various teams I'm on, I've been to San Diego's festival. This past weekend, we were in Detroit with a different team. And the weekend before that, we were in Baltimore. Earlier in the summer, we were at Hartford, Connecticut. And I go to Improv Camp every year, which is coming up soon. And I'm very excited about it. Where is that at? It's in the Poconos. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. (laughs) What's the one skill that you want to work on next year? 
I think continuing to hone our organization's message, having been here for a year now, really taking the work that we're doing and continuing to really be a storyteller, uh, not just of the students, but the people who are involved in our organization. So I want to continue to kind of be that storyteller for the whole organization. Where can people find out more information about you? Yes. So to find out more information about After School All-Stars, you can go to www asasphiladelphia.org. Um, you can also find us on social media. We're at ASAS Philadelphia on Facebook, or if you just search ASAS Philadelphia in Camden. You can also find us on Twitter. We're at ASAS Philly. On Instagram, we're at ASAS Philadelphia Camden, and we're also on LinkedIn. And your email again was? Uh, my email is sarah.carter. S-A-R-E-H dot C-A-R-T-E-R at afterschoolallstars.org. Or you could also email Camden at afterschoolallstars.org. I also answer that email. Okay, great. Thank you. Great interview. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening. I hope you got a nugget or two that you can use to grow your own company. I started this podcast because I had a lot of painful blind spots while running my own company and wanted to prevent the same mistakes for my audience and also to learn from people in the trenches. Personally, my biggest pain point was my office lease. After I closed down my company, I decided to focus helping people with their commercial real estate needs. The space could be an office, co-working, sublease, industrial, retail, restaurant, flex, or medical, whatever it is. If you or you know anyone that have commercial needs, feel free to reach out to me for questions about tenant representation. I strongly recommend getting good representation as it doesn't cost the company a dime since the landlord factors the cost and their price whether they are represented or not. Not only do we help you find a space, but we work with you to structure the contract to tailor the risk and space to fit your company culture. And if issues come up years later, we will be there to help you at no cost to you. I can be reached by LinkedIn at David Park, Rethink Real Estate, R-E-T-H-I-N-C, Real Estate. Also by email, David at Rethink, R-E-T-H-I-N-C, Real Estate.com.